Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and joining me from outside the Moscone Center is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. What you doing down there, man? I'm actually here wishing I could be inside a build right now. <laughs> I'm like that guy outside, not peeping through the window, kind of wishing I could be on the other side. You're not really in San Francisco, though, are you? In spirit, I am. <laughs> I'd like to be, but I'm only there in spirit. One day, one day, you too will be a build. Yeah. So for everybody that's listening to us right now and they're wondering what is this build thing these guys are talking about, Microsoft's having their developer conference going on this week. And, uh, you know, we're both just really big fans of the event. Um, sadly, we're not there, but, you know, maybe one of these days we'll make it over. Yeah, I made it to a PDC once and that was uh, actually a blast. They had actually announced Azure at that PDC. And so that was uh, confusing as, as Azure gets. But, you know, Azure's gotten a lot better over the years. Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's a lot more cool stuff in there. Speaking of cloud and Azure, this week I've been messing with Amazon Redshift. Uh, so, so what's this Redshift thing? What's that? So Redshift is, via the marketing documents, it is a petabyte scale, massively parallel processing database. It's built on top of Postgres. And um, I've just been experimenting on uh, doing uh, different processing, uh, data processing tasks, going in, loading, processing, and pulling out and doing different techniques and just kind of, you know, pressing the buttons a little bit and kicking the tires and seeing what's going on in the Amazon cloud. So you're playing with a really big Postgres database? Nah, man, I'm playing with something that's uh, just uh, not even not even a meg. <laughs> it's just something really, really tiny, but something to just to just to kick the tires a little bit and uh, and seeing how it works. I'm not I don't I'm not interested for the size of it. I'm interested in the uh, uh, the, the data processing power of it. Nice. So what you been up to? So I've actually joined a new Slack group today. Um, it's the ASP.NET Core Slack group. So this is actually not an official group. It was started by you know a friend of ours, Mr. Shane Boyer. It you know just started today actually, and there's tons of people in here having a lot of great conversation around ASP.NET, ASP.NET Core, open source, and that type of thing. You know what we'll do is we will actually put the link to this in the show, and you guys could you know join it and check it out. It was really cool. Yeah, cool, man. So who are we talking to today? So today we're talking to Mr. Ashley Grant. So Ashley is a full-stack web developer from Tallahassee, Florida, with over 10 years of industry experience. Ashley blogs at blog.ashleygrant.com on whatever strikes his fancy. He recently discovered just how awesome modern JavaScript development can be and is passionate about sharing the awesomeness. As a really a core team member, Ashley focuses on community outreach and making sure everyone knows that their voice matters in the future of the web. So you know what my favorite part of this episode is? Is how I have been replaced by Julie Learman. That is my Julie Learman's on the show. Julie Learman plays Joris. It is the best thing ever. Nice. I think this is the first time we've actually had a guest host on. Sure is. So that should be pretty cool. This episode was recorded on February twentieth, two thousand sixteen, and now our conversation with Ashley Grant. And now, away from the keyboards, feature conversation. 
we have a first on Away From The Keyboard today. So we actually have a guest host. So, you know, before we, we introduce our guest, I'd like to introduce Miss uh, Julie Lerman. Miss? Mrs. Whoa. Julie Lerman, I'm sorry. Yeah, well. Mrs. Julie Lerman, I'm sorry. That Even that is a little confusing because I didn't change my name when I got married. So I never know if I should be Mrs. Flynn or Mrs. Lerman or or what? So how do people usually <laughs> anyway, so. how do people usually introduce you then? Yo, no, I don't know. Here's Julie. <laughs> Here's Julie. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> not really. Yeah, but Julie's definitely been on the show before. If you guys um, definitely want to go check out our past episodes, and it's it's really a pleasure to have you on for uh, to be our first uh, guest host. Yeah, well, it's fun to do because you know I like to talk, and the other I don't know if this is a first for you, but we're doing this together in the same room, which is really that's fun. New. Yeah, it's always good to see the expressions on people's faces as they're, you know, we're asking them questions and, you know, as Richie's making like monkey eyes. At he people, is, like he it's... is. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to introduce our guest. We have a good friend of all of ours, uh, Mr. Ashley Grant. Like he came all the way down from Tallahassee and he's joining us here in uh, South Florida right now. So Ashley, why don't you, you know, introduce yourself, let everybody know who you are and really quickly, what do you do? My name's Ashley Grant. I'm an Aurelia core team member. That's how I identify myself these days. I've been in the technology area. I've been a a .NET developer for about 10 years. Uh, and recently I've gotten over into the JavaScript world. It's, it's a really interesting space to live in. Things are changing all the time. And that's, that's, that's where I like to be is where the things are new things, where things are changing. Personally, I, uh, I love driving fast cars, watching fast cars go in circles. I love sports. I, I love watching football. Uh, Wait, I love you, cooking. You live in Florida. Do you also like long walks on the beach? Uh, but Tallahassee is too far from the beach. It's a ah, really okay. long walk to get to that beach. <laughs> but once I get there, the beach. yeah, you know, I, I, I just, I have a lot of varied interests and I like to get in, I like to get deep into them. Yeah. So you like football, you like fast cars. You definitely don't sound like you're from the South at all, right? Like you must be from Canada or something. <laughs> I, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very polite as well. So. Ah, we appreciate that. <laughs> So you're born and raised in Tallahassee? No, actually, I'm originally from uh, South Carolina. I, I grew up in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, growing up, I hated cold weather. And so when it came time for college, I, I tried to find somewhere a little bit warmer. Wait, and I thought South Carolina is one of the places that people from places where I live go to get warm. Yeah, but but the people in South Carolina have to move south as well. And so Further I, south. Yeah, I, I went to Tallahassee and discovered that it's just the right amount of cold. Grew up in South Carolina. It's where I got some of my accent and then moved down to Tallahassee for college and uh, became a knoll. Why did you decide to go to Florida State? Well, I decided to go to Florida State uh, based on the letterhead. I uh, You like the Indian on the top of it? Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, I, I was a national merit finalist, uh, in, mm. in high school, uh, which is, it sounds way more impressive than it actually is. All it means is that I did really well on the PSAT. When you're a national merit finalist, tons of schools send you offers for, for full rides to go there. But I had always wanted to go to Clemson University. Clemson, in South Carolina. In South Carolina, yes. But Clemson didn't want to give me any money and we're poor. So I had to, I had to find something else. I, I literally had a dresser drawer full of letters from places that would offer me various levels of scholarship to attend their universities. And, uh, so I picked based on warm climates. And so I had University of Florida and Florida State were the two options. I, I knew nothing about the two schools. 
uh, we could not afford to go down and visit the two schools. And this was before the internet was really big. You know, this is in about 2000. I had to, I had to make a decision one day and I just decided that FSU had a better letterhead. And so that's where I was going to go to college. Their, their letter looked nicer and the, co- the scholarship was about $45 more per year. So that's where I went. Um, I'm sure the marketing, marketing people from there are furiously taking notes right now. <laughs> the first time I, I got to Tallahassee was for orientation. You know, this is the place I'm going to spend the next four years of my life. Uh, in my family, once you pick a college, um, that's where you're going. You, you don't get to drop out and, and choose another place, especially when you're on a full scholarship. <laughs> Luckily, I, I loved it. It was it was very scary, you know, being 400 miles away from everybody that I loved. But luckily, I, I made a lot of friends quickly. I've never left. You know, I, I made so many friends, and those friends stuck around after college. That that I, I've just never left, and I, I love it there. It's a small town. A lot of people don't like living in a small town, but but I, I really like it. It's got that small town Southern feel. Okay, that is an awesome developer getting started story. That's quality material, right? Yeah. There. As a developer, I, n- I didn't start out to become a developer. I, I went to, when I went to FSU, my declared major was mechanical engineering, not because I knew anything about it, you know, but just because it, it the sounded... The engineering school had a good letterhead? <laughs> you know, the funny part is if I had actually done research, I, I probably would have gone to the University of Florida because they had a better engineering school. Uh, luckily, I didn't. Uh, because I, I found out I hated engineering. They have, when you, when you start, or at least back then, when you would start in engineering, your first semester, you took a, an intro to engineering course and it, it gave you a, a smattering of different engineering disciplines. And it was a, it was an evening class and it was supposed to be the fun class. This is the most fun you'll ever have at the engineering school. <laughs> and I, after about two weeks, I loathed it. I, I hated going. I had to go because it was part of my grade. By the end of that semester, I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna change majors. And I knew I liked computers, so I said, you know what, I'll do computer science. And I, I, I still remember going over to the the was it registrar's office or whatever and saying, I'd like to switch to computer science. So I start taking programming courses. I took intro to C programming, and I I couldn't figure it out. I got a, I got a C in C programming. <laughs> Because I, I just, it didn't make any sense <laughs> to me. Pointers, there's no A programming. Yeah, pointers. <laughs> it just you know. doesn't exist. It almost sounds like you did that on purpose. <laughs> I wish. It's I very balanced. I, I, I really wish I had done that on purpose because I, I was starting to question my, you know, is this programming thing going to work out for me? I don't have that organic, you know, I was in college, or, or sorry, I was in high school and I, and I wrote some amazing library that everybody started using or you know I was programming the microwave to you know, I didn't I didn't do that I I would program you know in basic or visual basic at home but nothing too too crazy Wait so you when you were talking about how they introduced you to mechanical engineering you said well back then right and and <laughs> As if it was, you know, 30 years ago. It's ancient history now. It's been, <laughs> was know, it 30 years ago? It's been 16 years, I think. Oh. So 15 years. It was fall of 2001. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I'm, well, you, I'm you older look, than I look on the radio. You're older than you look on the radio. Exactly. <laughs> And I'm 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 younger than I look on the radio, right? <laughs> but but anyways, it, the next semester it got better. I took C plus plus, and from there I was off. Wait, to the what races. was your grade? I got a, I, <laughs> a C plus. I I got a hundred in that class. Right. I 
and especially coming out of Intro to C, I, I wasn't expecting to do well, but everything I had a better professor and everything just clicked for me. And from there, I, I got much better at it. I started doing the programming competitions, uh, the ACM programming competitions. Uh, my senior year, uh, my best friend and I got to represent FSU in the, the regional programming competition here in Florida. We, we didn't do so well, but we had a fun time there. And, and you know, I, I got into to consulting straight out, you know, contracting work straight out of college. And is so. that what you've been doing since? Uh, yeah, I've, uh, I did contracts for state agencies up in Tallahassee for years. And then recently I've, I've branched out into private contracting. Okay. So this is, this is also away from the keyboard. And you said something about, well, first of all, like as a female, I hear you saying, well, I like fast cars and football. I'm like, yeah, and you're a guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> but your involvement with fast cars goes beyond typical, I think. You have a organization or something you're involved uh, yeah, in with your cars? Uh, about two years ago, I started Tallahassee Cars and Coffee. Around the country, there are large gatherings on certain Saturdays of the month where everybody just gets together to talk about cars. And, and I mean, you could. It doesn't matter what you drive as long as you bring it in and you and you talk to. Each other. They, they um, have comedians and cars and coffee too, right? I've yeah, heard. Jerry Seinfeld started comedians and cars getting <laughs> was coffee. Was that a spinoff of I think, your Yeah, I think he stole the idea. So <laughs> you should sue him for that, buddy. I should. Maybe I get one of his sweet Porsches. He's, <laughs> so he's selling them. They're, they're supposed to go for like twelve million dollars or you something. Serious? That's yeah. crazy. You know, I, I reached into the piggy bank, but it just wasn't there. Yeah. Maybe next paycheck. Maybe next paycheck. So I'm supposed to be a host here too, and I don't really have questions I can ask you about football and cars. So do you have any other interesting hobbies that you might do away from the keyboard? Uh, I got my pilot's license oh, a couple there of years we go. ago. Dude. Pilot's license. Yeah. So did you fly down here when you came down from Thailand? Oh, I wish. I wish. Programming doesn't pay as much as I... I wish it did. What? I am uh, a, a little bit squirrel, ADD kind of a person. I can't even imagine buckling down and focusing to do what you need to do to get a pilot's license. Is is that more normal for you to, it, to be it that wasn't. focused? I, I, you know, I, when I was growing up, I always wanted to be a pilot because you look up in the sky and you see that airplane and you think, man, I want to I do that. I, I, I went in kind of green into thinking, you know, you just get to, to hop in the pilot seat and fly around and that's all you got to do. And then I learned that, no, there's there's tests you have to take and there's things you have to just know. You can't you can't Google how to recover from a stall when you're when you're stack up in the overflow air. for pilots. Stack overflow is not accessible when you're up in the plane, and so you <laughs> offline download, man. Yeah, yeah. offline, offline. <laughs> so you, 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 where's the Wi-Fi? Oh crap! <laughs> and so the the thing that really helped me, uh, or the the thing that I learned from getting my pilot's license was how to study. It was something I had never had to do, even in college. I was I was. I would, I did enough to get by when I was in college, but when your life is literally on the line, whether on, whether or not you, you know certain facts about the plane and that, that it's, it's innate how to do certain things, you, you really buckle down. You, you know, I, I can remember spending night after night after night studying, watching videos, practicing in a simulator because it just has to be rote. You have to know these things. It has to be natural. So programming is not in most scenarios something that is uh leads to a life or death situation but did somehow that 
translate? It it made me it made me a better developer in that it, I I can I can buckle down and learn new things much more easily now than I could before I got my pilot's license. The ability to study and and just just sit down and, and learn something without, you know, ADDing out yeah, or whatever yeah. you call it. Oh, this is too confusing. I have to walk away. Yeah, I, I, can, I, can just, I can understand things a lot more quickly now and, and concentrate on learning better than I, than I ever could before. So, so how much flying do you get to do? Nowadays, I'm not flying too much, to be quite honest. Um, it's been, it's been a while since I last flew. I've been too busy. But when I, when I flew a lot, you know, 10 hours a month or so was great. I was working on my instrument rating and I had to stop because one of the things you learn as you're, you learn about picking up what they call ratings. Uh, when you have your pilot's license, is that there are two buckets that you need to keep full. There's the money bucket and the time bucket. And if either one of those runs empty, uh, you're you're not going to be flying. And so I, I constantly would have one of those two buckets. Do, do you have to kind of rent a plane so you yeah, can go you, fly it? Yeah, you rent a plane usually by the hour. You also have to rent an instructor. Uh, and so it, it it was costing about $230 an hour for me when I was working on my instrument rating. And so you, the, the money bucket depletes quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the time bucket is, is, is even more difficult to keep full, uh, especially when you're, when you're a consultant and then sometimes the hours you have to put in for that don't leave a lot of time. What kind of planes have you flown? Uh, I've flown some Pipers, Cessnas, uh, the 182, and then uh, I've flown in Cirruses and some slightly bigger planes. Are as these well. all propeller? All propeller planes? driven, yeah. To to get a to be able to fly a jet, no matter how small it is, you have to have what's called a type rating, and that's that's basically a license for that specific air airplane type. I I, I really want to get back into it soon hopefully i'll have the time for it yeah it 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 is it's so wonderful when you get up there uh just just the freedom that you have you can go basically wherever you want it's not like when you're flying in the airline and and that plane leaves when they say it does and you have to rush to get to the airport well they never do anyway uh, yeah so you rush to get to the airport on <laughs> and time then and then the plane doesn't leave on time when you have a pilot's license and an airplane you just drive to the airport hop in your plane and go. I, my family up in South Carolina, there were a couple times where as I was trying to gain hours for my instrument rating or log hours for my instrument rating that we just flew up to South Carolina for the day, had lunch and then, and then flew home. Oh, and I was nice. home before dinner time. Expensive lunch. It, they, they call it the hundred dollar hamburger. I just <laughs> wish it only cost a hundred dollars, but that's, that's so neat living, you know, hundreds of miles away and being able to, to have lunch with your family and then be home in time for dinner. You know that that's that's really it's. So you gotta you gotta buckle down with your consulting. Yes. Save up your money so you can buy your own plane so you can go visit your family for lunch. That w- that's living the dream, dream right living there. Living the dream. Have you ever flown in a glider? I haven't. I had one or two chances to do it, and at the I I just didn't I was I didn't have the availability at that moment. It was but you you had the faith in it. Oh, I would love yeah. to fly a glider. Glider pilots are the best pilots because they have they have to understand energy management. They you know you you get up there in the air and then. To stay in the air, you have to know how the wind works. You have to read the air. You you become almost like a bird. So, out of all those those planes you mentioned before, like which one was like your most favorite to fly? My favorite plane to fly 
was the the Cirrus SR22. It's a, it's like a sports car. So, uh, for so a, it's like a BMW. It really is. You you nice. you slide into it. Doesn't have a yoke in front of you. Um, it has what's called a side stick. So you you're lounging back like you would in a in a sports car, and you, and you're holding with uh, depending on which seat you're in, you're holding either left or right hand the the stick. And uh, it's I just I loved it, you know. Uh, but if I were to buy a plane, I'd probably get a, one, a Cessna 182 because it's so roomy inside, you know, and it and it goes just about the same speed. So in terms of you getting your, your private license, is it more based on, it's like an hour-based thing, right? Like you have to complete so many hours before you qualify for your license? or Yeah, you the FAA has certain uh, minimum requirements before you're allowed to, to take your practical test. You have to have a minimum of 40 hours. Most people take a little bit more than that. I Because the, the time bucket kept getting empty, I, it took me about 80 hours before I, I took my test. You have to spend some time in an airplane before you're able to take the test. And so after you get your, your private license, are there different levels to it, or is it just private and then you can fly any propeller-based plane? Uh, the way it works is once you have your private pilot license, as, according to the government, you can fly any plane that weighs less than 12,500 pounds, any fixed-wing, single-engine land aircraft that, that weighs less than 12,500 pounds. What does land aircraft mean? It has wheels and it lands on the land. So. <laughs> There's also sea seaplanes that that land on water. Mm-hmm. In in the world of aviation, though, the real limiting factor is actually the insurance companies. Well. They're much more strict than the government. When you're when you're a freshly minted private pilot, if you were to go and buy a, a plane, a huge, a big plane that's really really fast, it's still a piston aircraft. You know, much way beyond your own skill set. You're not going to be able to get insurance on it. So that that's how they they that's the real regulation with it. But yeah, you get your private pilot license that allows you to do that. Uh, most people next they get their instrument rating, which allows them to fly based solely on reference to the instruments in the aircraft. You're not looking outside. Uh, next is the commercial license, which allows you to fly for hire. You make money from flying. Uh, and then after that comes what's called the ATP, the Airline Transport Pilot. And that that's a license you get if you want to basically fly for the airlines. There are other... You can get type ratings for various aircraft, or you could go and get... Um, get like a helicopter rating, stuff like that. And you can get instrument ratings too, right? I know a lot of people that have done instruments, like you do certain like flight instruments. Yeah, the instrument rating is really, really interesting, especially nowadays, uh, living in the world of technology. Uh, there's a lot of technology that makes uh, situational awareness a lot better. Garmin makes uh, G1000, they call them glass panels. You have to, just as we learn how to work with a, a programming language and learn the intricacies of whatever framework we're working with, you have to learn these these glass panels because they have buttons and it's very arcane. But but once you you really get in there and study it and learn it, you you become you're, you're a wizard with it. So it's it's like t- learning to touch type. Hmm, that's pretty cool. So I went to actually graduated from Florida Tech, and we have a pretty big flight school. And one of the things that a lot of my friends that were pilots always did was they'd always They'd like fly to the Bahamas, right, for a weekend or something like that, right? So did you have any interesting places that you used to fly to when you were practicing or when you were learning? Uh, the most interesting stuff I did wasn't where I was flying. It was who I was flying with. Living in, in Tallahassee, uh, there's this government. It's the state capital. And uh, I made friends with a lobbyist, and he owned an airplane. And my flight instructor and I would fly various important people around the state. 
and and the stories that we would hear uh, that weren't public knowledge were were always really and, fun. And are supposed to not that, that ever I'm not be. allowed to repeat. <laughs> uh, it it was really you know it was really interesting. So I know with you living in Tallahassee, you know you you developed a love for for front end development. Yes, and that's when you actually met Rob, right? So could you tell us a little bit about the story yeah, about how you yeah. met Rob? The story and of how I got onto the Aurelia core team, it, I, I feel like it could be a learning experience for a lot of people that are that are developers out there, and maybe they feel like their skills are getting stale, or they they don't like their job or something. I, I basically I just I went out there and I got it. You know, I, I stuck my neck out there. I was, I was, I was tired of working these state government contracts where there wasn't very much work. I was always bored. I, I went to a, a conference where I learned all about Angular. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Rob Eisenberg lives here in Tallahassee. You know, if I ever have any Angular questions, I can just, I can talk to him. And I get home from that conference and the, the Tuesday after I got home, Rob announced that he was leaving the Angular 2 team. And I, I was like, oh crap, what am I going to do now? And so I, I had someone I knew who knew Rob put me in contact with him. And I said, yeah, I want to, I just want to talk to you and figure out what I should do. And he said, well, I've got this, this new framework I'm working on called Aurelia. Would you be interested in joining the team? And I said, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, really. I, I said, I don't know anything about, about programming modern JavaScript, but heck yeah, I want to be on the team for that. So that was a really good learning experience for you. Though. It, it has, the entire time I've been on it has been, eye-opening. It's been a learning experience. Um, it's been really fun getting out there. I'm a, we, my role on the team has come to be termed a community champion. And, and it's, it's been really fun to get out there. I've been going to user group meetings, going to conferences and, and talking to people, people who are either already using Aurelia or looking at why should I use Aurelia or, you know, give me, give me reasons to use Aurelia. The people you meet, you can feel it when you start talking to them, they get excited. They start shaking. They're, they're so excited to talk about their job, you know, and, and it's a really good feeling to, to see Well, that. there's also a big, a big problem going on right now with lots of companies needing to push to the web and needing to make a decision about a front end. I, I, I know that in my neck of the woods, even companies who, you know, maybe, they're, they've been doing a lot of Angular 1. They've got expertise in a lot of developers, but, you know, Angular 2 is coming and they're just kind of looking and stepping back and saying, you know, okay, let's think about our experience so far and what it's been like to bring the team along and all those things. And, you know, there's now there's other things on the landscape now and they're reassessing. They really are. So yeah, I think people are really, it's really important to be getting out there and letting people know about it. It, it. it is. It is. Um, the JavaScript world right now is, is highly dynamic. What is popular today may not be popular in six months. Or may not exist in six it, months. It may not exist in six months. And so it is not a, a world you can get into if you like to be comfortable. You have to be ready to be scared to death about once a month, about, oh no, what has happened today? But I, I, I found that I thrive on that and, and keeping, keeping ahead of what's going on, you know, constantly reading blogs, checking what's going on on Hacker News and, and spending the time to be ahead of everybody else so that 
when people come up with questions, I can answer them. I don't say, oh, well, let me let me go research that. No, I have to be ready to answer them. So with you spending so much time now as a community champion, right? Like I'm imagining you. I'm a champion. I can imagine you coming in on the golden Aurelia chariot, right? Like waving the flag and just like, you know kind of like just bringing the product along with you right is that kind of like what you do oh i wish we had a, a golden chariot that that would be really nice no i um what the bmw isn't enough anymore it's, it's white it's not golden so you gotta we really need to talk to you about that man we need to <laughs> we need to fix that up gold rims man come on it, it, you know the, the i i feel like my important the, the important thing i do in the community is 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 extending Aurelia's reach through just awareness. People who, they are Ember devs or they are Angular devs um, and and that's what they know and so the next version of it, that's what they're going to use. And so being able to get out there and say, hey guys, you know, there's something out here. It might be better for you. It might not but it might be better for you. It's it's just letting letting people understand that and also listening to them, not trying to pick fights. You know, that we in there's a lot of tribalism in programming where someone picks their their team just like Miami and, and FSU they pick their team and no matter what that is the best thing and because you're not on that team they hate you and they hate your every choice you've made and that and it's it's really tough I was I was at Oradev back in November and I, I sent out a tweet saying does anybody want to get dinner and the, the only person that responded was uh, Rob Warmald of the Angular 2 team and and I started talking to him and we we struck up a great friendship you know and later that week we went out to dinner with uh he came out uh Steve Klabnik from the the Ember team Lee from the the React team we all went out and then we uh-huh. we That's even fun. we even got Monica from the the Polymer team come out and we called it the UN of JavaScript frameworks it was it was really nice to show people that we can all get along you know this this isn't, there isn't going to be one framework. Java and .NET have lived for years. You know, everybody can be successful. And and so part of what I, I try to do when I'm out there is just tell people that. Like, listen, can, we can all be friends. So I kind of totally imagine, like, Anchorman. You know, like, you're all fighting. Like, you killed somebody with a trident. You know, I, I, I you just ruined it for me. It, you know that? <laughs> We we actually we talked about that at that dinner um, when they they brought out the silverware. We were like, uh oh, do we need to fight to the death now? <laughs> you know, who gets the trident? See, so you guys should have took to, um, took two pictures: one with everybody just sitting on calmly smiling, and another one with everybody with knives to their throat. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, get you. It was, it was a missed opportunity. We'll have to find the next conference where we all get together and make that happen. But I mean, on a serious note, though, I mean, I think it's great that 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 can happen, right? And I think that sends a, a, a very important message out to the community, right? Uh, like, there's no fighting in between these teams, right? It's just, you know, you have your way of doing things, we have our way of doing things. Yeah. And Everybody's the working towards has the options. greater good. Yeah. And, and right, we, the community are, has options. You there, pick which one works for you. There are disagreements over how to do certain things, um, and sometimes those disagreements may may spill out into the public comment threads and stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, most of us are we're, we're friends, you know, we're colleagues and, uh, yeah, we're working for the greater good. We, no matter what framework it is, whether it's in JavaScript or, or .NET, Java, whatever it is, everybody, what they're trying to do is make your life easier. And so if, if that, the framework you're using isn't making your life easier, maybe look at a different framework, but don't think that, that just because someone else's life is made easier because they're using Ruby on Rails or, or whatever and they've, they've chosen a different thing than you. That doesn't make them a lesser person. That doesn't make them a horrible person, except when they're Miami Hurricane fans. (laughs) 
And so with you being a community champion, do you actually contribute a little bit to the product or do you guys just... Most of my contributions are hidden. Um, I have I have done a few code contributions to the framework, but uh, most of my contributions are sitting there and, and thinking, wait, how can we do this better? And then and, and sparking conversations both in the community as well as uh, within the team trying to you know, figure out, are there, are there ways we can make the framework better? You must also be bringing information and questions and ideas back from the community. Exactly. Uh, today here at the code camp, I, I had a guy who was just peppering me with questions about our binding engine and he, he had reached the, the end of my knowledge. And so I said, you know what? Let's, let's give Jeremy Daniel a call. And Jeremy is my neighbor. Yes. Yes. Oh, really? He lives in Vermont? Vermont? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Jeremy, he's quintessential Vermont. His dad runs a maple syrup company. So he shipped me half a gallon of maple syrup, Vermont maple syrup, which was awesome. I have a picture of my girlfriend hugging it, just with pure joy in her face. Well, for, for people who live outside of Vermont, that might be a multiple lifetime supply. If you, when you live in Vermont, you can go through that in a few months because, you know, <laughs> we, we do all kinds of stuff with it. Wait, in when Wait, we what? cook. When we what? cook. <laughs> you know, when, when, we, on after we, the, away from the we keyboard cook with after it dark. a lot. We don't just eat pancakes with it. Anyway, but I, I found when I've traveled and brought like little like three ounce whatever uh, gifts of maple syrup to people when I've traveled and then you go back there like two years later and it's halfway down. We're like, what is like, wrong what you with doing, you? Man? So I'm really wondering about a guy from Florida with a whole half gallon of <laughs> It was probably <laughs> the most awesome UPS package I've ever received because I, I knew what was in it and I had kept it secret from from Krista, my girlfriend, and I said, here, you need to open this box. She said, but it's it's addressed to you. And I said, no, 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 you need to open it. And so uh, Jeremy had overly protected this thing. There were so many packing peanuts. And uh, she just starts digging through the packing peanuts. Peanuts and syrup. (laughs) But uh, she finally, she found it and she was, she just screamed in the way only she can it, pure joy and 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 I'm, I'm not joking started hugging it she was very excited did, about did he include fresh... the little maple syrup cookbook with it that the vermont maple you know what i'm gonna have to get on to him it's like a on to him yeah they sell it at the uh like the state fair for like a dollar like all kinds of recipes with maple syrup that's what you need if you got a half gallon we're gonna have to find that on amazon <laughs> So since we're talking about this this famous Vermont maple syrup, do you have any special dishes that you make with your Vermont maple syrup? Well, I just we just try to use it in everything. <laughs> okay, so like coffee, tea, uh, cereal, okay, not pancakes. Coffee. Like I was uh oh, I brine when I'm brining pork, for example. Mm. I'll I'll use maple syrup in the brine. Oh, Just, I love brine yeah, things. Yeah, right? So cooking. maple syrup, like instead of maybe molasses We should the talk brine. about cooking. I don't know, just, you know, just, we just put it in stuff when we're cooking. Like, See, like yeah. uh, maybe make, make, making squash, put it in the squash or just, you know, use it wherever. So it's like a staple. A little it's sweetener. like everything yeah. Vermont has maple make, syrup in it. Make salad dressing with it. Okay. Yeah. You know where it wouldn't go well is in seafood, which is... I love seafood. You're going to have to come to Tallahassee, I'm sure Julie. she can find a way to make that work. Yeah. We, I'm thinking. I'll have to pull out. I have a 15-gallon steam pot for for steaming crabs and shrimp. All right. I'm really hungry now. See, I had a honey-seared salmon once, so I can oh. imagine that you could- Yeah, maple, you maple could, salmon. Oh, maple yeah. Seared salmon. Yeah, we're grilling salmon, maybe some mustard and garlic and maple syrup. 
but see, I, I love my steaming stuff. I, 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 I have huge parties at my house. Not, not, eh, not huge, but you know, large parties where my friends come over and we drag all of my kitchen furniture out into the, on the patio out back of my house, uh, and set up a, I have a projector screen and we set it up to watch football outside. Oh, and back then, to football. Here we I, go. <laughs> and then, uh, I'll steam, I've steamed like six to eight pounds of shrimp at once. And then we just dump it out on the table and just, just go to town. Okay. Let's go now. So you're a big cook, huh? So I'm, I'm, I'm getting that feeling like you do a lot of, Cooking. I, I love I love to to cook. Um, I I don't generally get into the more complicated recipes. I would never call myself a chef, but I, I I'm I like to cook. Uh, so, I, what's one of your favorite recipes? My my chicken wings that I make, which is somewhat complicated. I I uh, I take chicken wings, I grill them until they're almost fully cooked. I take them off the grill. I throw them in the oven in a uh, baking pan and uh, with some hot sauce and, and some maple syrup. No. No, I'm <laughs> that, that, serious. That could be good. I that might would try be a that. Really good combo. Uh, but I do the hot hot sauce and I cover them and I put them in there at 200 degrees for like three hours and they just it's it's like slow cooking on a smoker. They start to to become fall off the bone. And then you pull them out. One of my friends told me I should I should the next step should be that I flash fry them to make the skin crispy again. I haven't done that yet, but my my chicken wings after I pull them out of the oven, I I, I toss them in the hot sauce and uh, my friends. They love them. They they can't get enough of them. Cecil, given the time of day and that I already announced I'm hungry, do you really think you have any more detailed food questions that you want to ask Ashley? <laughs> I, so I, I thought I was smoker say, last year. I, because I am in the same room and I <laughs> could hit you, Nick. I should I tell, just hit you. Should I tell Julia about the smoker I bought where I can smoke ribs? Now as long as she's going to hit you and not me, I'm completely Maple fine glazed with it. ribs. I'm going to go eat. Well, Ashley, we definitely wish you the best. Uh, thank you very much for being in the show. And Julie, thank you for being our first guest host. Like that's You've done an awesome job. Well, I, I hope that I didn't turn you off to ever asking anybody to do it again. Well, <laughs> but if, it was fun. Thanks for asking. I'm glad you had a good time. And thank you again very much. Thank you both. And um, thank you to everybody listening. We'll, uh, you know, hopefully you love this episode. Now, right. do I get to close Bye. with my NPR voice? <laughs> Thank you for listening to Away from the Keyboard. Next week, we will have Julie Lerman on again. She's so awesome. We'd like to thank Ashley for being a guest on the show and Julie for guest hosting. It was great to have them both on. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Also, remember to check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast and on Twitter at podcast. You could follow me at Cecil Phillips and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. You can subscribe to the show via the website or on iTunes. And if you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up to our newsletter where you'll get extra episodes and behind-scenes access to Away From The Keyboard. Next on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have database guru Bradley Ball. And when they came out with the Green Lantern movie, um, I believe a piece of my childhood died and and wanted to (laughs) find whoever had written, directed, and produced that movie and punched them somewhere unmentionable. Where he talks about comic books. That's going to be a lot of fun. Like, lots of comic books. I think there's a a lot of geeky, comic booky stuff in this one. It's going to be great. Yeah. See you guys next week. Peace. 
want to thank you for listening to Away From The Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego. But I was going to say, though, so you said chicken wings. I, I'm just thinking that that is, such a, that is such a football food. Yes. Right? Like, so everything to you is just so, like, football. Well, well in the, the ballet. In the fall, yeah. No, well, well you, do t- you do take your chicken wings to the ballet. It's just that people don't like to hear your lips smacking during <laughs> the, the point. You to lick your fingers, and then you might want to wipe it off in your shirt a little bit. Yeah, no. Um, no, my, I, growing up, my mother was a dance teacher, so I, I know more about ballet than... <sighs> Uh, most football fans do. Oh, so you used to like dance and play ballet at the same no, time? No, no. But uh, when your I'm mom is a dance teacher, you are. <laughs> when, when your mother is a dance teacher, you, you get to hang out at the dance studio whether you like it or not. And so, you know, you, you learn about what a plie is and first and second position. And, and you learn that bar hey, is a word G-rated. with two R's. So, and an E. So you must uh, you must have had a lot of uh, female friends, I'm guessing, because I can imagine you know there the were, teacher's son and there, all these there, girls dancing ballet. Yeah, there there were some pluses to uh, to to being at the dance studio all the time. But uh, as an eight year old, sometimes you don't you don't grasp that concept. No, that's fine. And I don't know. I know you don't want to say anything that you know might make your girlfriend raise an eyebrow. So everything I say makes back her raise an eyebrow. Eight, when I was eight. So, back when I was eight years old. She's a. I have a very, very forgiving girlfriend. She puts up with me, which is more than most people can. That's lovely, Ashley. Thank you. Now, do I get to close with my NPR voice? (laughs) Thank you for listening to Away from the Keyboard. Next week, we will have Julie Lerman on again. She's so awesome. (laughs) Dum, dum, dum. Do the sweaty ball. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, they're delicious. (laughs) Cool, that was pretty good. Awesome.
Welcome back to The Delicious Dish. Today we're going to talk to Harry Shwetty about his sweaty balls. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> She's like, I can't do it. It's just so wrong. Uh.